Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us worship the Lord our God.
righteous, O Lord, and your judgments are right. My zeal consumes me because my foes forget your word. Your promises well abide, and your servants also. Your decrees are righteous forever. It is the understanding that I may live. God of life, may your light shine on your people today as it's shown in each moment of history. May the light of your presence inspire this celebration and inspire our lives to praise you and recognize you as source of all creation, as strength that sustains, as sap that nurtures, as wisdom that foresees, as clarity that discovers, as love that understands, as mercy that forgives. May the light of your presence, eternal and inextinguishable, shine on us now and forever till the dawn of your kingdom present in each day. In your holy name we pray. You may be seated. Grace to you and peace, and welcome to the First Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia on this Reformation Sunday, and also on our Pledge Sunday. If you are a visitor or guest among us, I hope you will sign the friendship pad. Actually, members and guests alike, I hope you will sign the friendship pad. And if you are part of our online community, uh, we are nonetheless delighted to have you with us as well, and you will find a new feature on our website, which is a virtual friendship pad. We would love to know who is gathering with us online on Sunday morning, so please do sign in either on the real friendship pad or the virtual one so that we might know who is worshiping around us. I'd like to highlight as well a few things in the bulletin for your particular attention, but before I do that, to invite you to a time of fellowship which will take place in Old Buttonwood Hall, just out this door to my right down a very short ramp and there you will find the refreshments that our deacons have prepared and most importantly the opportunity for us to gather together i'd like to call your attention to your pledge cards you should have received them in the mail this week if you didn't receive a pledge packet and you would like to just contact the church office we'll be happy to send one out to you right away but if you are ready to make a pledge and you didn't receive your pledge, then grab one anywhere you can find them. They should be on all the pews and in the narthex, and there's loads of them available. We will make sure you have a way to pledge. If you would like to pledge online, you can use this QR code that you will find on the pledge card in order to do that as well. I'd like to call your attention to the, <clears throat> the announcement regarding All Saints Communion next Sunday. It is our practice to include not just the members of our congregation who have died in the last year, but also the loved ones of the members of our congregation who have died in the last year in our great prayer of thanksgiving on All Saints Communion. So please let us know in the church office if you have a name that you would like included in that time of thanksgiving for those saints departed from, from this life in the last year. You'll see a notice in there about an adult education series that's ongoing on Wednesday night, also one on Manna's Pie in the Sky fundraiser. And one that's not in there that I'd like to particularly highlight is part of our, uh, our commemoration of both our 150th anniversary of the building leading up to our 325th anniversary as a congregation. Michael Smith will be giving tours of the building, a different tour each week for the next four weeks. 
So if you'd like to learn something about the fascinating architecture of this place, just meet Michael back here in the sanctuary following worship so that you can take place, take part in that tour of the facility. I have had Michael's tour. It is an excellent tour. You will greatly benefit from learning through it. With all of these things noted, let us continue our worship now with our confession of sin. The psalmist reminds us, happy are those whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Freed from the burden of hiding our shame and sin, let us offer our prayer of confession to God, first together and then in a time of silence. God of holiness, our sin is before us. We know that we have not lived up to our baptism. We have not forsaken the ways of sin. We have lingered in doubt and fear and allowed them to shape who we are, then taking our identity from your eternal grace. We forget that your mercy alone is sufficient for all our needs. Forgive us, we pray, and we and renew us. Fashion us into servants who give glory to you, for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Get up. Jesus is calling to us. We trust in the one who has guided the church for two millennia. Through Christ, God forgives our failings and continues to call us into a community of mutual love and forgiveness. Believe the promise of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Our first scripture lesson this morning comes to us from the 46th Psalm. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of the city, it shall not be moved. God will help it when the morning dawns. The nations are in uproar, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord. See what desolations God has brought on the earth. The Lord makes war cease to the end of the earth. God breaks the bow and shatters the spear. The Lord burns the shields with fire. Be still 
and know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations. I am exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Our second reading comes from the letter to the community in Rome, in the third chapter, starting at the 19th verse. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced, and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For no human being will be justified in his sight, by deeds prescribed by the law. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. But now, apart from law, the righteousness of God has been disclosed and is attested by the law and the prophets. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are now justified by God's grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a sacrifice of atonement by his blood, effective through faith. He did this to show his righteousness, because in his divine forbearance he has passed over the sins previously committed. It was to prove at the present time that he himself is righteous, and that he justifies the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of boasting? It is excluded. By what law? By that of works? No, by the law of faith. For we hold that a person is justified by faith apart from works prescribed by the law. final lesson comes from the Gospel according to John, the 8th chapter, verses 31 through 36. Continue to listen for the word of God today. Then Jesus said to the disciples who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, We are descendants of Abraham and have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean by saying you will be made free. <clears throat> Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not take a permanent place in the household. The son has a place there forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
the music of our lips and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. On this Reformation Sunday, we are going to do the most reformed of things. We are going to learn, and we are going to learn using the pieces of the Catechism. I believe firmly in giving credit where credit is due, and so the notes that I'm going to share with you for the next few moments were compiled by Andrew Sith. So we thank you, Andrew, for these notes. We'll allow the choir to take their place so that they may lead us. No one had so great an influence on the music of the Reformation than those two great men themselves, John Calvin and Martin Luther. During his exile in Strasbourg in 1538, Calvin experienced Protestant psalm singing for the first time, as well as its engaging effect on the congregation. He commissioned a French-language psalter with metric versions of the hymns of the psalms written by Clement Marot. This Genevan Psalter, as it became known, was first published in 1562 with 35,000 copies printed in the first year. This was twice the population of Geneva. Though Calvin believed that the unity of the church was best expressed by unison singing, meaning everyone singing the melody only, the harmonized 1565 version of the Genevan Psalter permanently linked the Genevan Psalms with the stately chordal style, one melody note per syllable of text, and one chord per melody note. This is demonstrated precisely in our opening hymn, one of the very few non-psalm texts attributed to Calvin, but sung to the tune that was composed for Psalm 124 in the Genevan Psalter. The Genevan Psalter unwittingly achieved all that Calvin had hoped for it. In 1573, a German version, the Lobwasser Psalter, and its successive editions spread this style throughout German-speaking Europe. Except for a handful of interruptions during the Thirty Years' War, the Lobwasser Psalter was reprinted every year up to 1800. Genevan psalms were soon sung in 22 languages as far as Eastern Hungary in Europe and across the Atlantic to the New World. While both reformers recognized the importance of music in reforming the church, Luther was more learned in music than Calvin. Luther held music next to theology, the queen of the sciences, and therefore greater in importance than arithmetic, geometry, logic, rhetoric, and grammar. Both grasped the importance of making melody conform to text, and both insisted that scriptural texts be animated by rhythm, thus discovering a rich symbiosis between music and language. However, where Calvin was a stickler for singing only biblical texts, Luther believed also in writing texts inspired by the scriptures and using these as teaching tools, as we will today. In the early 1520s, Luther invited his literary colleagues to write metrical rhymed psalm paraphrases in German. The melodies for his own renderings of Psalm 130, Out of the Deep I Cry to Thee, O Lord, and Psalm 46, A Mighty Fortress, 
were composed with great care, matching music to text, in mood, in syllabic emphasis, and in phrasing. Luther aimed both to replace secular song with scriptural song and to develop the musical literacy and part singing skills of the young with a view to placing God's word in the hearts of believers through music. He writes, we want the beautiful art of music to be properly used to serve her dear creator and his Christians. He is thereby praised and honored and we are made better and stronger in faith when his holy word is impressed on our hearts by sweet music. Luther ended up penning a great many hymns, both words and music. What we'd like to focus on for the next little while have become known as his catechism hymns, one for each portion of his small catechism. His intent was to teach or to sermonize these central beliefs. You'll no doubt observe from the number of stanzas that Luther was not a man of few words. Have no fear, we will sing only a few stanzas of each, just enough to get the flavor, though all have been included for your private edification. Listen intently to the choir as they introduce each hymn, and then join them as boldly as you feel comfortable. Just remember, we will be experiencing what it may have felt and sounded like to sing these vigorous and challenging hymns when they were new to congregations some 500 years ago. And finally, when we get to the closing hymn today, we will sing the rhythmic or bouncy version of A Mighty Fortress. Many of us grew up singing the more square or smoothed out version, and a few of you have asked about the difference. The smoothed out harmonization was made by J.S. Bach some 200 years later. The rhythmic version, which we're singing today, is in fact Luther's original. The original manuscript for which may be seen on the bulletin cover, and Andrew Hyde concludes, you are of course encouraged to raise the roof.
Let us now continue to confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. On days such as this, when we celebrate the Reformation, we are reminded that if we can see so far as we can, it is only because we are standing on the shoulders of giants. And in the history of this congregation, we have been blessed through the years with faithful members, faithful leaders, and we continue to be so blessed so that we live not only with a rich history, but also with a rich future that God is preparing even now for us. So on this Pledge Sunday, we invite those making pledges to place them in the offering plate or to make them online using either the QR code or directly through our webpage. We invite those as well to make their offerings in the silver plate. So the pledges in the basket and the offerings in the silver plate. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, writes the psalmist, reminding us that all that we have and all that we are is a gift from God entrusted to our care for but a season. So let us worship God with our tithes, our offerings, and our pledges.
us join together now in our litany of dedication. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. God has loved us into being as the first Presbyterian church in Philadelphia. God has given us the gift of faith and calls us to share God's grace. God calls us with the gift of constant renewal of our faith that we might know Jesus Christ and share his love. Everything we are, God has made us. God calls us to lives of building and rebuilding God's reign that we might glorify all that we have and all that we are come as gifts from God. And so we offer our lives in service, pledging our commitment for the year to come. You may be seated. O oh Lord, our God. On this Reformation Sunday, we thank you for those persons you have poured your spirit into that set about reforming your church. We thank you that you are still at work in the life of the church, reforming us, reshaping us, and remaking us into your image. One of the ways we reflect your image, Lord, is how we care for one another with love, care, and prayer. We pray for those who are in hospitals today. We pray for those at home with illness and recovering from treatments or surgery. We pray for those in nursing homes and those who are homebound. We pray for their families during these times. We pray for those who are facing death. And we pray for those who have died and for those who are grieving. We pray for their doctors, nurses, healthcare workers, and caretakers. Lord, may we reflect your image in our love, care, and prayer that we put to action for these, your children. We reflect your image in how we love, care, and pray for the world. We pray for those around the world who, as Christians, face imprisonment and martyrdom. We pray for those whose countries are torn by civil war. We pray for those living in poverty, for those who live in starvation. We pray for those who are being used in slave labor, child labor, and sex labor. We pray for those who have been affected by disasters. We pray for those in disaster areas who face outbreak of diseases. And this morning, we especially lift up those killed or injured and those left grieving in Seoul, South Korea, and Mogadishu, Somalia, and the news just breaking from India of a bridge collapse. Lord, may we put into action our love, care, and prayers for the world. Lord, we pray for your church that we be a beacon of hope, grace, love, and light in this world. May our open doors reflect your open arms to all. May our arms and hands reaching out to those in need reflect your love for all. 
May our forgiveness of one another reflect your forgiveness for all, the forgiveness that Jesus taught us, along with the prayer he taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
was a 20th century reformer, Karl Barth, who observed that once we acknowledge that Christ is Lord, all the rest of life is stewardship. So go from this place filled with gratitude for what we have received, and go filled with hope for what we will yet offer. And now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance on you and those you love and give you peace both this day and forevermore. Amen. Amen.